<sighs> I feel like I got something stuck in my throat. There's a frog in my throat. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, welcome back, everybody. It's Wednesday. We back. Yeah, we back. And it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, this whole little hiatus from fights has gotten uh, just strange vibes, you know? Only one recording a week, no fights to break down. But yeah, it's all right. We got to do what we got to do. We are down bad over here at the Below <laughs> Average Shows MMA podcast. That's a good way to put it, right? I didn't know what to do with my hands on Saturday night when there were no fights <laughs> on my television. I just kept looking for them, and they weren't there. <laughs> I was gonna say no. There'll be there'll be something, right? But nope, not a thing. There. Um, yeah, guys, it's a uh, it's been a struggle having these. Uh, you know, we were joking about the twenty seven days before another fight. Um, we've gotten down to what now? Is it twenty? Was twenty seven? Uh, what, what are we What are we at now? I, I think we're just under three weeks. Yeah, just under. So yeah, something like that. Twenty nineteen, something like that. Okay, so yeah, we're I think we're at nineteen, it looks like. So nineteen days till the next fight. But yeah, it's uh we joked about it a lot and yet it's honestly kind of brutal. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, but I mean obviously there's a lot of exciting things going on when we get back. Three cards in one week. That's going to be insanity. That whole week of content's just yeah, going to be... Yeah, that is just such a perfect way to welcome us back into the week like of fights. Right. Welcome into 2021. Like, So this little hiatus we're on right now, just doing one a week, is good. A nice little recharge. And then we're just right into the wolves starting that middle of January. Yeah, you're not kidding. But obviously another factor here is that we're in the holidays, in the middle of them right now. So, Dominic, how was your Christmas and any plans coming up for New Year's? Yeah, everything went well, you know. Got to see the family and I uh, just had some good food. Probably too much food, if I'm being honest. Got a couple UFC shirts, you know, that's always fun. We show up to fight night looking ready to roll. Um, it was just nice, you know, seeing the family. Uh, nothing new or nothing coming up, I don't think, anyways, right now for New Year's Eve, but you never really know. All I know is that come New Year's Day, the Buckeyes better be getting a title. For those of our listeners living in the great state of Ohio, let's go Buckeyes. Noah, what about you? Well, I completely agree about the Buckeyes sentiment, and that is my plans for New Year's Day. Uh, Christmas went really well. It was very nice to catch up with family, much like much of the sentiments you said, I can also say, because we are both about two and a half hours away from home. Um, so it was really nice to catch up with everybody. I got to see my mom, my dad, and obviously extended family after that. But um, I'm definitely at the point I go back to Bowling Green on Wednesday. So when you guys are listening to this, I'll be heading back. And I think I'm, I'm a little ready to just kind of go back to my own place. and Get back on like space. a routine. I'm a big like routine guy, you know. I, I am. I'm still off work, though, until. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, the next monday so i'll still be chilling but i just kind of want my own space like i like having my own space and privacy it. and stuff uh, but they've been you know i've been staying with my mom she's always very hospitable so 
uh, yeah, very, very happy to be back. But uh, this is definitely, I've been waiting for this episode. This here is your baby this... here. This is your coined pr- uh, phrase here for a new series. As you guys, if you've been following us at all the last few weeks, are aware, we're ending our episode catalog for 2020 with a new series called This or That. Now, how might that work? Maybe you would ask. Well, I'm going to tell you. Me and Dom are going to go back and forth here. So we'll say we'll start with me. I'll give two different fights that are realistic for 2021. And Dom has to choose which one. He can only pick one fight to happen. So whichever fight excites him most, whichever fight, for whatever reason, he can only pick one. And the other one will never happen. Whichever one tickles our fancy. Yes, as the people like to say. And then after that, me and him will just kind of talk about both fights and, you know, the fighters involved and whatnot. And this, it's really an excuse for us to talk about some of these rumored matchups for 2021 or maybe even uh, confirmed matchups without it feeling too similar to maybe topics we've already done on this podcast. So, um, this probably could, I mean, this could definitely turn into a full blown series. I think it's a great idea for one. I really like the concept, but, uh, it's mostly just a reason for us to talk about 2021. Right. So, uh, you ready to just kind of get into this? I think we hop right in. Let's do this thing. So do you want me to go first or you go first? You know, being that this is your idea for a series, I think I open the floor to you, my friend. Give me, hit me hard out of, out of the gate right here. Okay, so we both said before we started recording that we each have one pair of women's fights. So I think we're starting there, correct? Yeah, start there and then just go from lightest uh, weight class to heaviest. Okay. So, Dominic, do you take Weili Zhang versus Rose Namajunas? (laughs) Or Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade? Oh. Oh, well, obvious answer. No, I hope we just get both of them. Oh, but if you're throwing me on the spot right out of the gate like this, mm, I got to go Whaley versus Rose, man. I just think it's more so because Whaley, while still being labeled as dominant in the way that she's looked since her, you know, run in the UFC, still relatively new, only one title defense, and Rose would be um, her second toughest battle to this point outside of Joanna, which I don't think you're going to get much tougher of a battle than that fight was. But, uh, you know, of course, that was our fight of the year for 2020. Um, but I'm waiting on Whaley Rose to be everything but confirmed. Uh, I think that's a fight that needs to happen. It makes the most sense. I love Valentina versus Andrade. I definitely think that fight might be the one we see first with all this stuff going around about Rose and if she's going to do the title fight or not. Um, but we've just seen Valentina look so dominant. She's defended the title four times now. Um, I, by all means, think Jessica will be her hardest competition outside of, of course, Amanda Nunes. However, with so much more, or just a longer title reign, so much more to see from Valentina, it, it gets me a little more excited to see Wei Lee go for her second defense against a great striker in Rose. I'm going to have to go with the, the straw weights on that one. Yeah, I think I I think I agree with you. Um, I we both had 
I guess, mixed opinions on Andrade's move to flyweight. Mm -hmm. You know, she was matched up immediately with Chukagian, who we thought was going to be a tough matchup for because of Chukagian's length. And, you know, she does have a very technical striking style. And I didn't really have much faith in Andrade to be able to close the distance, close that gap, and be able to land much meaningful offense. And I'm pretty sure you felt pretty similar on that. Right. Well, she blew those expectations out of the water. Finished Chu Kagan with a knee to the body. Just just looks so so good, so strong. Like she had been in that weight class her whole career. Yeah, and I mean, obviously she should be next for Valentina. I think she's Valentina's toughest matchup to date, uh, besides maybe Joanna. But Joanna was fighting kind of out of her weight class. Uh, it kind of remains to be seen with Andrade because Andrade has said that this is her ideal weight class. You know, she's fought at bantamweight early on in her career. Uh, she was obviously, for being as small as she is, you know, or as short as she is, I should say, she was definitely fighting out of her weight class there. Uh, she had a lot of success at strawweight. She was the strawweight champion before losing it to Wei Lee, actually. But... Um, it kind of fizzled out once uh, she lost to Wei Lee and then she lost to Rose in a rematch uh, on Fight Island this summer. So she's moving up here. And I do think it's potentially Valentina's toughest to date, uh, toughest matchup to date. And Valentina, for her dominance, I guess if you want to pick holes in her run, her latest title defense that just happened against... Um, Jennifer Maya was maybe not the most impressive of her performances. Right. She was dominant, but she did lose a round, was pretty much controlled for an entire round, and you've never seen that. Now, outside of that, was she completely dominant? Yes, she was. But I guess if you want to say that maybe is Valentina lost a step, I don't know. I'm definitely grasping for straws there, but I still love the matchup. I just think Whaley Rose. It's so good, know, man, in, in, in all aspects of the fight game. I think it just does so much for both of them. You know, with as much as I love Valentina and Andrade is one of my favorite fighters in the whole UFC, Whaley just is coming off of the 2020 fight of the year. We haven't seen her since. She has looked fantastic. And I wouldn't even go as far to say dominant because now did she dominate Andrade in the title win? Yes. But she arguably lost to Joanna. You know who's beat Joanna twice? Rose Namajunas. This is very true. <laughs> MMA math does not work that way. Um, you, you can't do that. But I think that this leads itself to be like, okay, how for real is Li Zhang as a <laughs> champion? And for Rose... You know, does she still have that that title aspiration? You know, she says she does, but there's always those question marks about where her head's at, you know, the mental side of the game. Is she, is she able to really mentally be a champion? Right. And that's kind of been the question marks with her, and Dana's kind of even doubled down on that lately. So we'll see if this matchup really happens, but... I liked pairing these two because to me it's the obvious next up, you know, for these two weight classes. I know 
Amanda has a contender with uh, Megan Anderson at featherweight, but like Bantamweight doesn't have a clear-cut contender right now. And I thought these two fights were more exciting than Amanda Megan, so that's why I paired them up. For sure. I mean, I love both those matchups. Again, hopefully we just see both of them. That would make life really, really good in 2021. But uh, if I really did have to pick one of the two, definitely Whaley Rose for me. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now I'll uh, give you the floor here, my friend. Um, so I also have women's strawweight here. I also have Whaley versus Rose. However, my second option, and I already know what you're going to pick here, obviously, based on your mm-hmm. answer to yours. But I did just want to throw another matchup out here that gets me really excited to think about. And that is the return of a healthy, or hopefully healthy, Tantiana Suarez getting thrown in with what would be her toughest test and someone that would catapult her right into the title. Um, Because usually I would call for her to just get the title, but she's been laid out for so long with injury. She does need a fight. And I think what better way to uh, let her in this upper echelon, that next level of fighter, than Tantiana Suarez versus Joanna Young-Jacek. So Ooh, there's your two options. Wow. Of course, yeah, I know Whaley Rose is what we love so much, but the thought of Tantiana Joanna is intriguing for a lot of ways. So I'm going to no, leave you on right. the floor there. I wasn't expecting Joanna to be thrown in there. <clears throat> so let me just talk through this, right? Because I just talked a little bit, and you did as well, about Rose versus Whaley and how that is the clear-cut title fight that needs to happen at that division. And it's probably probably the biggest fight you can make in that division. But Tatiana Suarez is very much untapped potential at this point. She's looked truly fantastic in her UFC performances. Unfortunately for her, uh, she has had so many neck injuries. And when she is, you know, primarily a grappler, a wrestler, neck injuries are very much... uh, a lingering problem rather than a blip on the radar, so to say. So, you know, they took her to UFC. The last we heard about her is that the UFC took her out of the rankings due to inactivity, which was definitely sucked. But you know that if once she's, if she's able to come back and healthy, you know, they're not going to just like give her to someone unranked. She'll probably be fighting someone ranked very high. I would say for sure. She's ready to come back. And a matchup with Joanna, man. There's a lot of question marks there. For Tatiana, are we ever really going to see her reach her full potential? Is she is she capable of battling through those injuries and being that fighter that we've seen flashes of in her performances? Yeah, I mean, and we're talking Joanna, about, you know, undefeated um literally t- titled as the female version of Habib that's how good Tantiana is and like you said with these injuries it's just like will we ever get to see what she can really do what she's fully mm-hmm. made of I mean only time will tell with these injuries but I'll let you continue I cut you off there no you're good uh the other end of this being Joanna her last fight was that fight of the year with Li Zhang where both women literally just beat the shit out of each other for five rounds. I mean, it's truly just, it's the women's version of Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, like the two women that were taken to the absolute brink of what they can handle pain wise and probably took years off their life. 
But the question for Joanna is, did it take years off of her career? Can she still be the queen of violence? Can she still have that, you know, that same kind of performance in her that she did with the Whaley fighter on her title run? Cause I think, you know, she's, she's had some losses pile up on her here in her later run. A lot of question marks on if she's going to be fighting for much longer. Um, even where her head's at, as far as the fight game, you know, is she on her way out the door kind of thing? Cause you know, she lost to Rose twice after being undefeated for a long time. Then she got a win back against Tisha Torres. Then she lost to Valentina and that's how Valentina won the flyweight belt. Then I think cause when she beat Michelle Watterson and then she's lost to Whaley in a very close decision. So, you know, what else is there really for her to do? Right. So I think that matchup's very intriguing because there's a lot that could be answered. And that's always the best fights is like when both fighters have a lot to prove, a lot to lose and a lot to gain. Yep. You know, there's much more at stake. I am going to go with Rose Whaley, but I think that's a definite matchup I want to see if Tatiana can get healthy and if Joanna decides she wants to keep fighting. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at it, it's it's your typical striker versus grappler. Can Tatiana get the fight to the ground? If not, can she handle how good Joanna is? on the feet and vice versa. Can Joanna keep it standing? And if so, can she just continue to dominate like we know her to do? And if she gets taken down, can she get back up? We've seen Joanna get taken down. I mean, Valentina did it to her a lot. And Valentina's wrestling is not Tantiana Suarez's wrestling. So there's a lot of questions there from stylistically, what could happen? And then like you mentioned, for their careers, a lot of questions to be answered as well. So love that fight. I uh, wanted to throw it out there, just something a little different. And, of course, Whaley Rose, again, they mm-hmm. kind of just stole the show to start the uh, episode, but we, we can't <laughs> wait for that fight. No, 100%. And this next one I have here for you, there's a common fighter in these two in these two matchups. I think I know one of them. <laughs> well, the guy who, even though he's considered retired at this point, he just refuses to... He refuses to just leave the spotlight, you know? Oh, boy. Never mind. I am wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So we got Henry Cejudo in both of these. Now, Dom, you can only choose one. Would you rather see Henry Cejudo come back (laughs) versus Davison Figueredo or versus Alexander Volkanovsky? And I want to be clear that those would both be title fights in my pitch to you. Cejudo Volkanovsky times 10. Um, I say this for a lot of reasons. Reason number one, he's the only featherweight that Henry could actually fight. That is actually his <laughs> size. So that's the first reason. If it's any other bo- any other person that holds the featherweight belt, this fight is not being made. Um, but being that it's Volkanovsky and just the build of both these guys is so similar, 100% love that fight. Um, secondly, Henry Sudo would have the chance to become the first ever person to win three belts in the UFC, which is un, unheard of, would be absolutely incredible. I think it's a favorable matchup for both guys in complete opposite ways. I think it just everything about it is so intriguing. 
Henry, of course, being that Olympic gold medalist as well. I mean, this guy would just have gold teeth at this point. I mean, there's nothing else this guy can own that's not gold if he were to go up and get a third belt here. Uh, Volkanovski has a lot to prove, and that's a big money fight for him as well. We don't see many money fights with the you know, lighter weight classes, but this is definitely one of them. Everybody loves the King of Cringe. A lot of people want to see Volkanovski get beaten. So Henry Cejudo would almost be the good guy in this fight, as hard as that is to believe. Um, but I think deep down, a lot of people really do appreciate Henry's greatness, including myself. I know Noah's a huge fan. Um, I do like Volkanovski. He just has a sour taste in my mouth because of how big of a fan I am of Max Holloway. However, I t can't take away his greatness. One loss in his entire career. He's won like 20 straight fights. And uh, so that's definitely the one I pick. Uh, but for the flyweight fight, man, I think about this fight a lot. No, I'm going to be honest. What would happen, you know? Before the Moreno fight that Figueredo had, I would say Davison can do it. I think Davison shocks the world and does beat Cejudo. But after we saw him go to deep waters with Moreno and get battle-tested, um, I believe him and Henry would be a lot closer of a fight, and I believe Henry would even be favored just because... Everything we've seen from Henry has been so great, you know, outside of his UFC loss to uh, Demetrius the first time. Um, yeah, I, I truthfully don't know how either of these fights would turn out. I think it's a very interesting matchup both ways. They're both toss-ups. You know, you pick it, you know. Uh, shoot him out of the sky with the, the duck thing. I don't even know what that's called, but, you know, you throw something up, you shoot it. Yeah. Pick the fight that way. Uh, love both of these. But I, I have said for a while that if Henry were to come back, I think him and Volk would make the most sense. Of course, if Volk were to somehow lose that title, then Henry does not belong at featherweight. But this is the time that he does, so i got to go with that one out of those two. So I'm actually, in my head, I'm actually going the other way. And here's why, because it's a pretty long and complicated uh, reason, but we'll see if it's really as complicated as I think I am after I talk about it. So, got Henry Cejudo coming back. Now, I'm a big Henry Cejudo fan. Triple C, you know, he's he's fun, man. I get it. He's he's cringy, but that's the whole point. That's the whole thing. Ideally, you know, the, being the first guy to win three belts, three different divisions. I mean, that's a feat that we may never see again and for someone like him who's so accomplished in just not just combat sports but you know and re like again olympic gold medalist you know he's probably i mean at this point i still say he's the most accomplished combat sports athlete ever but to have that would just make it unquestionable and since it is a division that he had yet to pursue and Volkanovsky's frame leads you to believe this is really the only time that it could probably be done for Henry because of how short he is but the reason I'm not going to pick it is because I refuse Dominic I refuse on this podcast to advocate for a title shot to be given to someone who has yeah. never fought in that weight class yeah and that is my whole reason. Not that I don't get excited, like when Cejudo went up to fight Marlon Marais, when Connor went up to fight Eddie Alvarez. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater of those fights. Like, I, 
I, I buy into them. I enjoy them. I pay my money to watch them. I don't, I'm not one of those, you know, people that just wants to piss on everything and, you know, glass half empty, whatever. Like, I hate when people kind of get that way. Like, I get it. Maybe it's not the, maybe they didn't earn it, but let's just see if they, if they beat the champion. Then, I mean, who's to say that they weren't deserving of it, right? Right. But I won't advocate for it because I do the the art of competition, right? That's what I love most. And I love guys being able to earn their spot. Cejudo could rightfully come back and fight for the flyweight belt again because he's already been the king of that. He's already been at the top there and he had fought there for so long. There's a lot of questions about if he could even get back down to that weight. But I think that's where the interest comes in for me and seeing him versus Davison. Mm -hmm. Henry took out Mighty Mouse in a very close decision and then starched TJ Dillashaw, who was coming down to try to kill the whole division. And right, so it's like right when he kind of ascended to the top of the flyweights, you know, he was the savior of the flyweights, whatever. He left the division. So I feel like there's still a lot that he could prove to people by going back down. And now he's going up against the new king of that division. And I know Davison's got some unfinished business with uh, Mr. Brandon Moreno. And that's definitely the fight that needs to happen next. And Moreno could very likely win that fight. But Davison versus, you know, just that star power there. And you got Henry who's got his star power. You know, you, got, you put those two personalities against each other, and I think it could be a lot of fun. And it would show me if Davison were to knock out Henry Cejudo or even just win the fight, it would really, I think, show a lot of people how far the flyweights have come because that, that would elevate the status of Moreno and even guys like Benavidez because Benavidez beat Cejudo back in the day. So, I mean, it's just, it could do a lot for this division. And if Henry wins and would hopefully continue to defend, that elevates the division even more because he would be the biggest name holding that belt at the time. And then you got guys like Davison, Moreno, Askarov, Benavidez, Roy Val, who are vying for a title shot. And it just elevates the division even more. Cejudo beating Volkanovski would be very I, I still would be very excited for that fight because I just don't know how it would go. But if he won that, I don't think he would defend because I don't think anybody else in that division he'd be able to have much of a chance against, which is weird to say about someone who's the champion. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down on Volkanovsky. It's simply an X's and O's here. Volkanovski's stature just leads to a more reasonable matchup with Cejudo than Max Holloway or Zabit or Yair Rodriguez right? or Brian Ortega, whoever. Yeah, I mean, there's literally it's, not another featherweight. <laughs> yeah, it's just and I just don't see Cejudo defending the featherweight belt if he were to go up and win it. Yeah, 100%. I definitely couldn't agree with that more. Yeah, but I I think there's merit to both of those. That's the only reason why I went the other way. But 
I, I definitely think your reasoning is very sound. It's probably if you just pit the matchups against each other, it's probably the better matchup, the more interesting matchup is Henry and Volk. But I was taking in a lot of other factors. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I, you know, I typically agree. Uh, you know, I'm not big on the whole just go pick a weight class and you get a title fight thing. And for whatever reason, Triple C's just got a hold on me here for this one. Uh, but yeah, both those fights are great. I love how you, you brought back Triple C, two different options, two different weight classes. Very enticing, Noah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and I left out Bantamweight, which wasn't intentional, but... I, I respect I just, it. I'll, I'll fill your gap right here, as a matter of fact, Noah. All right, let's hear it. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just going to let you hear it, because we've talked about this. We've got okay. Cody Garbrandt, Jose Aldo, right? You're probably okay. thinking, well, nothing's going to take the cake here. That That's my fight. And you're, you're probably right. I love that fight. I know you love that fight. I know what you're going to say here. I already, I, I fucking know what you're going to say here. I don't know. Do you, though? It I think is I do. Mr. TJ Dillashaw <laughs> making his long-awaited return to the Bantamweight division. And he's going to jump right in, Noah, and challenge the winner of Pewter Jan and Aljamain Sterling for the title that he technically never lost. Mm. You tell me, brother. I guess that's sort of unfair, actually, but I'm going to still keep it that way. Because technically it's two different matchups for TJ. Either way, I'm going to let you sit on it for a second. I don't feel like it changes my answer either way. And I, yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely knew this was like 100 percent the one you would pick. I, I honestly don't know for sure if it is. Oh, what? Let me think about this. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the matchup that I've been wanting to see the most at bantamweight for a while now has been Cody Garbrandt versus Jose Aldo. I think that fight makes all the sense in the world. I love that Cody is finally seeing that. He's done fucking talking shit to Sean O'Malley for now. Like, you don't need to fight Sean O'Malley. You don't need to talk shit to Sean O'Malley. Go for Aldo. That makes perfect sense. That's a great freaking fight. Two guys that have really just, I mean, they, they're they are stars. You know, they're, Jose's a legend. Cody's kind of on his way there even with his struggles that he's had in the past couple of years um a masterful performance a legend making performance against dominic cruz i'll put that but yet tj dillashaw to come back from peds who left as the king of bantamweight i mean he was uh, you know you can say dominic cruz is the best bantamweight of all time I'm not so sure about that. I and I know he beat TJ, but man, TJ Dillashaw's career was in before the PEDs, like very interesting career. I mean, look at how he won the belt. He was put in as a late replacement against Hennon Brow, overwhelming odds against him to win that fight, and he dominated Hennon Brow, straight up dominated him, and then dominated him a second time. Huge underdog that first time, yeah. too. No one, no one thought TJ was going to win that fight. 
No, he was filling in, I'm pretty sure, for Cruz. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's when Cruz got really banged up during that time when he wasn't able to fight, like, at all. Um, he did lose to Dominic Cruz when Cruz returned, which was a very emotional and kind of heartwarming return for Cruz. But then Cody goes out there and puts up a masterful performance against Dominic Cruz. And then you have the one of the most defining rivalries the division has ever seen in Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. And TJ starts them twice. I know Cody hurt him really bad at the end of the first round of their first fight. Still knocked him out in the second. Knocked him out in the first round, I think, or second round in their second fight. Uh, it's hard for me to... It's either Cruz or Dillashaw is the best bantamweight of all time. And I guess Cruz having the victory over him might make that answer that for a lot of people. But God, I, I despite the PEDs, you know, and that's a big factor in this. Um, it's hard to really take anything away from him for his whole career, you know. Right. So for and for him to be given that title shot, I'm not for that. I'm not for getting an immediate title shot. So I'll go ahead and say my answer is going to be Aldo. Garbrandt, but I want to say why it's not as easy as it sounds is because whoever wins, if Jan and Aljo actually have their fight, which we're assuming is going to happen. Yeah, that's true. I also went on a limb on that one. So, (laughs) (laughs) so regardless of who wins, if it's Jan, if it's Aljo, you're going to have a champion who, while like, let's say Jan wins, you know, that's a title defense. So it, it legitimizes him more. And then on the other end, if Aljo wins, he's a fresh champion. But getting a win over TJ Dillashaw, who is a legend of that division, who was the champion before, like never lost the belt, you know, that's there's going to be always that question hanging over. Jan or Aljo's title reign until they can kind of squash that. And I want that kind of opportunity for them to do so. Right. Because Jan and Aljo are both great fighters. I love watching both of them compete for different reasons. I mean, they both have such different styles. That's why I think that fight in of itself is going to be awesome. I don't want the opportunity for TJ right now. I think he needs to go win one and earn his way back. Mm Mm-hmm. But for Jan or Aljo to, like, if they were able to beat TJ Dillashaw and beat him convincingly, I think it would do so much for their career and for their title reign. But I'm still going to pick Cody and Aldo because it's ultimately the fight. Stylistically, Cody is going to come with the heavy hands. He's going to come with the speed. He's going to be pressuring Aldo is a pressure fighter himself. He's got a lot of precision. He's got super powerful kicks. And not to mention that, I mean, the guy does have a very much like, in his later years, he's definitely not as aggressive as he was at one point. But when you have someone like Cody Garbrandt trying to back you down, I think you could see the best of Aldo come out in those moments where I think you could just see a crazy back and forth fight where both guys get dropped because neither guy's chin is really all that great at this point. Right. But they're still very good fighters. 
even champion level fighters at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue in that matchup, and it's, I mean, you could almost see it being a number one contender fight. I mean, I know we've got Frankie Edgar and Corey Sanhagen coming up, but, you know, say Cody goes out there and just starches Aldo or vice versa, it takes one showcase performance to, you know, leapfrog you over other deserving contenders. So it really could be a number one contender fight. You really just never know these days. Yeah, especially so, uh, with the I, name power of Cody and Aldo it, both. Exactly, exactly. And I, I'll leave it there because I know I've talked about this fight a lot. I just think it's the fight to make it bantamweight. That's not a title fight. Love it, love it. So my next one is actually featherweight. Ah, here. mine as well. This should be fun. <laughs> so I, I decided to do one that's a little fun here because these are two rumored matchups, but I flipped one of the opponents so that it's two matchups that we haven't heard a lot about but are very realistic as far as where they're at in the rankings and everything so i'll explain a little bit more later but my two matchups dominic are max holloway versus yair rodriguez or the korean zombie Versus Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Zabit versus TKZ all day, my friend. Um, that fight to me is the fight to make right now in the featherweight division. Zabit, of course, been waiting on that Yair fight. Yair's now suspended through March. We don't even know if he's going to be on the roster come March with all the stuff that goes on between him and the UFC these days. Um, but Korean Zombie, you know, coming off the loss to Ortega before that was on a tear. This guy's never in a boring fight. Zabit is always putting on great performances, pulling, you know, magic out of a hat. And I think the Zombie really would be a very tough test for him, especially because we've seen Zabit tire out as the fight goes on. And the Zombie, well, he's called the Zombie. This man never gets tired, even in the fight against Ortega, which he was losing. Never gave up, never quit, was still going for the win, was still going for the big shot. I think this fight has a lot of implications. I mean, even though Zombie just lost to Ortega, he'd come out, starch Zabit, and all of a sudden get a title shot, depending on who the champ is. For Zabit, he's a guy that's already deserving of a title, and if he were to get another win here against a guy like Korean Zombie, it's just solidified at that point. Um, so that 1 million percent is the pick for me. I will say Max versus Yair is super intriguing. Definitely a fight I hadn't really thought of much. So that's fun that you brought that up. Um, Max is just such an amazing striker. So good all around. We just don't see him on the ground very much. For Yair, we've really never even seen the guy on the ground outside of getting dominated by Frankie Edgar. But outside of that, he's damn near looked flawless. Of course, that fight he had with Korean Zombie, one of the best fights ever. One of the biggest come-from-behind knockouts ever. So that fight has uh, fireworks written all over it. Max and Yair is an all-out just bloodbath war. I think the same, truthfully, for Sabit and Korean Zombie. I do feel that fight could be a little more slower paced because I just think Sabit uh, would control the fight a little more. Uh, but that's still not taking anything away from it because I'm picking Sabit TKZ all day. Um, but I do like that you brought up Max and Yair. I actually, if you even want to touch on kind of what made you uh, mention that, I'm interested. Well, truthfully, a lot of it was because 
I think the matchups we've talked about in the past, you know, it's really Yair has basically been strictly placed with Zabit, right? So you have um, these other three guys we've kind of talked about a lot. So you got Max versus Zabit. You got Max versus TKZ, and then you got Korean Zombie versus Zabit. And I feel like Yair's been kind of left out of that group. Yeah. And really, I could have done it anyway. I could have done Max versus Korean Zombie and then Zabit versus Yair as the two options. But there's something about the Yair-Max style matchup that just could lead to a really fun fight. You know, Yair brings a very... I don't want to say wild, but he's got a very electric style, put it that way. He's very fluid in his striking. He's very fast. He's got just some crazy combinations and kicks that he'll throw. Max is much more precision. He's much more, when I say standard, I mean the most excellent form of standard. But you don't necessarily see Max throwing wheel kicks and doing a lot of jumping flying knees and stuff like that right and if he does it's just so calculated and so precise max is truly just one of the best strikers there is so i just think that it leads to a very fun matchup because yair does bring that and can max kind of it's kind of about who can control the pace of that fight if yeah if yair is able to lure max into that kind of a just a wild brawl or wild sprawl. Not that Max hasn't shown, you know, Ricardo Lama's fight. Hello. You know, he's shown that he will stand and bang. But for the most part, especially in this later part of his career, you know, his last few performances, he's been much more um, level-headed, I guess, or uh, patient. Mm-hmm. And Yair is still just this young, wild guy, kind of, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, mindset i have about yair rodriguez is he's still very young and wild and you know he works to his advantage though he he shows just some just amazing combinations and uh arsenal of weapons and it would just be like could he land that kind of shot on max holloway like something you've never thought you would see right or max be able to kind of weather an early storm and drag yair into some deep waters and make him fight his fight and I, I think that would be very fun. But also, uh, the Korean Zombies, the beat fight, is probably the one I'm going to pick. I don't like to put too much on, you know, the last fight, but this Korean Zombies, the beat probably would have been the obvious pick. But Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega, you know, Ortega did have just a, a truly amazing performance. And yet, it almost like hurt my hype for Korean Zombie against someone like Zabit. Because I'm like, man, you know, I know how good Korean Zombie still is. He's one of my favorite fighters. But a, a part of me also wonders, like, okay, like, did the Korean Zombie's time kind of come and go? Did it kind of pass us by? Can he really compete with someone like Zabit who... You know, I know we haven't seen him in Ortega yet, but Zabit has just some crazy potential. And I just wonder if almost like the Max, 
Yair fight is more unpredictable, more exciting of a fight once it actually goes down, while maybe Zabit, Korean Zombie could end up being more like what Ortega Zombie was. Right, yeah. I definitely see where you're coming from I hope that's not the case. You know, I still believe in Zombie. I still think that guy is just a, a, just he's kind of a legend in himself, just in a way he's, I don't know, just his reputation. He's kind of a mystic figure in MMA. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm probably still gonna pick Korean Zombies to beat as well, but it's it's just the two matchups that are at different places. The Holloway Yair fight excites me more and more each day. Korean Zombies to beat. I'm starting to stagger on a little bit, but as of now, I would still say it's above Holloway Yair. Well, then I'm very intrigued to see what your answer is here, because All for right. my featherweight fight i also have Zabit korean zombie but the opponent the this or that second option max holloway versus brian ortega 2 my friend <laughs> brian ortega 2.0 yeah max holloway versus brian ortega 2.0 2 <laughs> there we go you know i think i am gonna go max ortega 2 i i would have to agree and truthfully, again, if this was before the Ortega zombie fight, it would have been the other. It would have been zombie, Zabit, hundred percent. So that's why I kind of feel bad to put so. I feel like I'm putting a lot of, a lot on that fight when maybe I shouldn't be. And maybe it was just Ortega just truly had a masterful performance and looked like he was just a reborn fighter that he had developed in every asset of his game. But I am going to go Ortega Holloway too. You know, I know Ortega's only had the one fight since he got beat down by Max. But yet, so much has happened for both of these guys. I Ortega took that long hiatus. We didn't know when it what we were going to see when he came back. He went to the cage bald. That wasn't a great look. (laughs) It was like, man, he kind of looks like he's like, he had the look of a guy that was returning and was going to get like pretty much starched right away. I don't know. That was the feeling I had. And he does the exact opposite. Does the exact opposite. And so then here, On Max's end, anyways, you know, he continued after that that how that fight with Ortega was kind of the peak of his run. Because his next fight was when he went up to fight Poirier right. for the light for the interim lightweight belt. Got beat by Poirier. Great fight, awesome fight. Max had his moments for sure, but Poirier won four of those five rounds, in my opinion. So then he goes back, defends against Frankie Edgar who, let's be honest, Frankie Edgar got that title shot off of what he had, who he was, not who he is. Right. Or was at that time, but you get my point. Um, Frankie should probably not have been fighting for a title at that point, but he was given it because of a lot of what he had done previously. So Max won that fight pretty easily. And then you get these Volkanovski fights. I thought Max lost the first one four rounds to one 
but it was still a good fight, not, you know, a domination by any means, very close. And then you get the second fight where I thought Max won three rounds to two. Judges saw it other, the other way. Volkanovski retains. So you see these, you know, these guys, a lot has happened to where now it feels like, even though Ortega's only had the one fight since then, it feels like this matchup is just primed for to run it back already. Because Ortega showed so much growth in his last fight with uh, Korean Zombie. But is he is he Max Holloway level? That's the question. Exactly. Because Max, Max Holloway has maybe had his speed bumps over the last couple of years, you know, losing the belt, losing that chance to become like a double champ. But he's still Max freaking Holloway, man. And that second fight with Volkanovski proved that he is still just as good as he was when he beat down Ortega and when he was beating Aldo and stuff like that. So there's no question to me that Holloway is still just as good now as he's been at his peak. I think he's still in his prime or really hasn't even reached his prime if you want to go by the age. Yeah, it's crazy. But Ortega showed so much growth in his last fight that it makes me wonder, could this Ortega beat Holloway? Yeah, I, that's exactly where I agree with you and why I think this is the fight I would pick here out of these two. As dominant as Max was in that first fight with Ortega, um, this new version, man, of Ortega, I, I truthfully have been saying ever since that night, I'm like, this dude can come and wipe out anyone in this top five after that performance. I mean, his striking looked world-class, and that's he, we didn't even get to see his excellent Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and that's what is so dangerous about Brian Ortega right now. Watch out for this man. He's going to be on a mission for that title, and I know he wants to run it back with Max, and I think really we're one fight away for each of them uh, from seeing it again. Yeah, I guess my last point there is just going to be that even though that's that would be a rematch and you got Zabit and Korean Zombie, as the other option, which is a fight that excites a lot of us, including both of us. I just think that Holloway Ortega too, man, I think when that fight happens, if it happens, man, I mean, Holloway to me is just as good as he was when he fought Ortega the first time, but Ortega's last fight showed me that he is better than he was when they fought the first time. So I can't can't sit here and say 100% that Holloway is a better fighter now than he was when he fought Ortega the first time. Right. So it kind of means, has Ortega's growth been enough to surpass Max Holloway? Exactly. That would be the question. Now we're going to move on to my second to last fight here at lightweight. And we got a, we got a common guy in both of these as well. Same. Actually, these <laughs> next two, we have a common, a common guy. This, this ought to be interesting. So we have a guy who's, uh, Involved in a pretty, pretty high level fight coming up. A fighter you are a massive fan of, Dominic. Ooh. A uh, pressure makes diamonds is what they say. Ooh. Ooh. So we got some Dustin Poirier. Paid in full, baby. Now, Dominic, would you rather see Dustin Poirier? run it back with Justin Gaethje for a second time? Oh. Or would you rather see Dustin Poirier 
take on Charles Oliveira. <laughs> well, all right. Well, you threw me off first off, so kudos to you. Wow. Um, you know, this is fascinating because, truthfully, let's say Dustin does go in next month and beat Connor. He's in an interesting spot because as of right now, that's not for a belt. Even if it is for a belt, he's in an even more interesting spot. Because then what do you do next with Dustin? Because clearly, if it's not for a title, he definitely just earned it. And if it is for the title, then he just became the lightweight champion of the world. So who would be next? It's either, you know, does he fight the guy that was just the interim champ and lost to Habib and Justin Gaethje? So technically, Justin still is deserving of a title shot, right? I mean, you would think. Or... Does he fight the guy in Charles Oliveira, who's on an eight-fight win streak, seven of which via finish, and the lone decision was pure dominance against Tony Ferguson, one of the best lightweights in UFC history? Oh, boy. Do I have to answer? No, I'm just kidding. I want to answer this. I'm all for Dustin and Charles, as a matter of fact. No, I really love both of those guys, so I would have a very hard time watching it. I can tell you that much. But, um... You know, we've seen Dustin versus Justin, and I'm not saying it would be the same result. However, I know it would be the same style of fight. We know it would be a brawl, and some guy is going to have to have the tougher chin that night. We know this. But Dustin versus Charles is interesting, because on paper you see it as a striker versus grappler. However, Dustin has very underrated ground game, damn near submitted Habib. And Charles has very underrated striking... Mm-hmm. So it's very, very intriguing. I love the sound of that matchup. Charles Oliveira, by all means, deserves a title. I need this man to be fighting for a title shot. I don't care if he has to wait out six months to let the division clear up. But he's on an eight-fight win streak, man. No one else has done what this man has done. And to do what he did to Tony Ferguson is enough. Just when you thought, you know, Justin Gaethje's performance against Tony was amazing, Charles Oliveira went out and did what he did in a completely different way so yeah i'm gonna just barely am i gonna take dustin versus charles because again justin dustin two is incredible i think it's an absolute war a fight of the year on paper um but again we've already seen that fight and i think it would be the exact same fight maybe the result could vary but i think we see the same fight charles and dustin on the other hand other hand never seen it Two totally different fighters, but at the same time, both of their weaknesses are not necessarily weak. Um, when you look at the overall state of the division, their weaknesses are still strong compared to others. So it's very fun matchup, very interesting stylistically. Couldn't tell you right now what I think would happen in that fight, and that's why I'm more intrigued, and I'm going to take Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Noah, that was, a, that was great. That was very good. <laughs> I'm going to give you a clap on that one. I will say your breakdown of Oliveira versus Poirier is going to be why I end up choosing it as well. But, man, at first I was definitely like, oh, I think Dustin Justin is like, like, why not? Why wouldn't you want to see that again, right? It was so good the first time. And these guys are just as good, if not better now, than they were then. So why not run it back, you know? But... Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira are definitely viewed as like Dustin's very much viewed as a boxer 
Charles Oliveira is very much still viewed as a jiu-jitsu guy. But there are probably two of the more well-rounded guys you'll find in the whole division, especially when you consider that they don't seem to get that kind of respect for that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do I trust do I trust uh, Charles Oliveira's uh, stand-up ability more? Or do I trust Dustin's ground game more when going against someone who's so specialized in that area? Truthfully, I still think I would probably side with Charles in that matchup if we ever see it. Um, And, you know, (laughs) maybe recency bias is the reason for that, but Dustin Poirier just looked fantastic over the summer against Dan Hooker in a fight of the year contender. That was number three on our uh, list for the video we did last week go check that out but for Poirier win or lose this Connor fight those are the two matchups that like intrigue me the most for him win or lose regardless of if there's a title fight involved with uh this McGregor fight you know if Dustin wins or you know it's just there's so much I don't even want to like assume kind of for either of these fights, you know, what the situation would be. I don't want to assume, well, if Dustin wins, then this fight makes more sense. Or if he loses, this fight makes more sense. I'm just looking at it like right now, if for some reason, you know, if he didn't have a fight right now, which fight would I want to see most? And it's him and Charles. Right. But if he does lose to Connor, I think him and Justin could very well run it back. Yeah, like and fight. I mean, even still, that fight could be number one contender, you know? It's like, it's so crazy, yeah. this division right now, and uh, you can't go wrong with either, that's for sure. But if yeah. we're really talking what's more intriguing, I, I think we, we both agree there. I love that you did both those fights. Um, that's awesome. Anything with Dustin Poirier, you can sign me up to be a spectator for, so. Oh, I know. I know how how much of a fan you are, so I had to throw him in there. And, uh, you know, I think I've got a tough one here for you, Noah. Um, I do have the same fighter in both my matchups. However, it's not the same person that you had. So I've got a a matchup here. Mr. Charles Oliveira, who you Mm -hmm. mentioned, versus Justin Gaethje, who you also mentioned. Or, or, Noah, because, you know, this or that, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. <laughs> oh, that's my that's my curveball. I just Oof. I just threw it in at you. Oh man. Oh my, that's <laughs> that's a good one, man. That's a, you really you really put a good one in there. So let me let me talk this through. I don't want to just sit here and be like No better way to be, do it. Thank you. Okay, so on one end, you got uh, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, correct? That was what you said? Yes. And then Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. So um, on one end, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. Right now, that fight does make a lot of sense. Gaethje's last, even though he's coming off the loss, it was to Habib, who was looking like it's going to retire. And therefore, in a way, Gaethje still kind of, is in you know he's he was looked at as the interim champ you know i know he lost his interim belt by losing to habib but if habib had retired before their fight 
Justin would be the <laughs> the undisputed champ right now. So he's right. still second second guy. And if Habib's out of the picture, then he's kind of the uncrowned champion in <laughs> right, a way. Right. Um, so for Charles, I want to see him get a title fight. And it feels like Justin Gaethje is the closest thing to that right now. Unless you're talking like Conor McGregor because of the 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 more eyeballs on the fight. And, right. Uh, just how much money you can make off that. But if you're going by just competitive, you know, the art of competition, as I mentioned earlier, it makes most sense. If I want Charles to get a title fight, you put him with Gaethje. But on the other end here, Justin Gaethje is coming off that loss. So therefore, you would like to see him get another win before being reinserted into a title fight. And Michael Chandler, who has been Mr. Bellator, who has spent almost his whole career at Bellator, has yet to make his debut in the UFC. And there's just so much we don't know. Yes. And that's always what I, what did I just say? The best fights are made when there's more at stake, when it's not simply both guys have something to gain, they have something to lose. Man, I, I talked that through, but I, I still don't know if I have an answer because I feel like the fight with most at stake, or stake, excuse me, is uh, Gaethje Chandler. But yet, I feel like I, I'm leaning towards Oliveira Gaethje because I think stylistically that fight is incredible. Again, this is even a, a better version almost of what you said with the Poirier matchup, right? right? Um, again, Oliveira, very specialized in his jiu-jitsu, but has shown a much more improved stand-up over the years to the point where I would even go as far as to say that he has a great stand-up. Yeah. Gaethje also has great stand-up, but his background is being a Division One All-American wrestler. <laughs> yes. So, but again, you have a matchup where I think it could be a stand-up war. Truly, I think it could be. And yet it could also be like a, a, a fight where Oliveira's willing to to pull guard and just throwing up submissions and Gaethje trying to weather the storm of that and maintain that top position. And it could be really exciting no matter where the fight goes. Well, and I want to pose a question there then off of the Oliveira and um, Gaethje matchup. Mm-hmm. Does the fact that even though we know Gaethje's wrestling background is so strong, and I know Habib is still a next-level grappler when compared to Oliveira, but does that at least concern you a little, that it did look relatively easy to get Justin down if you're you know, looking at this fight, what could be the cons and picking Chandler and Gaethje over this one? Does Oliveira maybe getting the takedowns easier in your head based off of Justin's last performance? Or is that just, you know what, that's Habib, so let's not compare? I will say that I look at that as being more Habib. I actually think that I don't want to say what worries me more because, but the fact that uh, Habib was able to get multiple submissions off his back against Gaethje. And I shouldn't say just off his back, but you know, he got that arm bar in at one point was able to turn it into the, um, was it triangle choke? Yes. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, 
Oliveira is going to be doing that all day off his back. Oh, yeah. And we saw how so, nasty his arm bar was. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that would be one thing. But I have to think that Gaethje knows, like, in his head, he, he has to know he has to work on that after losing that way. And if you're going up against Oliveira, you got to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. So I think you could lead to Gaethje almost, I don't want to say playing it safe because that almost doesn't sound exciting, but playing it smarter on the ground, not just assuming that his background or skill level that he already has is going to be enough to carry him through, but recognizing that he's going up against a very dangerous submission specialist. I'm really talking about this fight a lot, but that Gaethje Chandler fight just how, you know, the biggest thing there is if Michael Chandler wins that fight, I mean, he's probably getting a title shot. Yeah, right? he, he's making a debut in the UFC, beating Justin Gaethje and getting a title shot. One million percent, that was that would be and what maybe, would happen. And maybe this is the same if he loses to Oliveira, but if Gaethje loses to Chandler, what's next for him? You know? Right, right. Wow, if Gaethje beats Chandler... What's next for Michael Chandler? He just lost his debut. Yeah. Man. I think I'm going to go Oliveira Gaethje. I respect it. I think it's, you know, truthfully, I feel like Michael Chandler should maybe be fighting someone a little bit, you know. Like a Dan Hooker? Well, yeah, Dan Hooker. um, Because I don't want to say, because Dan Hooker is literally what fifth six right now six now yeah but or even him i i thought i think i said uh chandler versus uh paul felder yeah yeah a good entry way because you, you don't think necessarily he should just get thrown into the these top three i know um, he, i know he fought some very high level guys at bellator guys who could very much potentially be champion of the ufc but this is the ufc's lightweight division the most stacked division in all mixed martial arts and I, I worry about the idea of throwing him too deep right away. To where you almost can't reel him back, you know? Yeah, because, like, if he loses, gets, let's say Gaethje, if he fought Gaethje and gets knocked out in a couple minutes, you know, a lot of the hype is probably lost for his next fight. Right. It's kind of like Askren when he got knocked out by Masvidal. Um, and really, that could have happened even sooner if Lawler had been able to. Oh, I mean, it, it damn near happened in his debut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm just, and I know Askren, you know, he got choked out by Maya, but if you even look at that fight going in, Askren versus Maya, I know it headlined, but that wasn't very much talked about as a very big fight. Uh, it was like the hype was gone, you know? Right, right. So I worry that that could be the case for putting Chandler against someone like Gaethje right away. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. We've been talking about Chandler Gaethje for so long at this point. I think that fight does have more intrigue in terms of a stand-up war because we've seen that Chandler is also uh, not afraid to stand and bang. He's got his fair share of knockout victories over there in Bellator, has his fair share of a couple, you know, TKO knockout losses, and the same goes for Justin, obviously. However, Chandler's still an elite-level wrestler, but I think his wrestling goes a lot better with Justin's. So it could essentially maybe uh, neutralize each other, I guess. So I think that fight would actually be very heavily standing. Um, 
at least in my head, where Oliveira Gaethje, again, it's just this, the Oliveira, you know, like, what are you going to get with this guy? And it's it, like, like I was saying with him and uh, Dustin, what's going to happen here? Justin's so good on the feet. Oliveira is very good on the feet, just as underrated. Oliveira's incredible on the ground. Justin, you know, Division One All-American background in wrestling. However, we did see him get taken advantage of the wrestling by Habib, but like you said, Habib is just so next level. It's like, do you really judge that if he were to fight Oliveira here? So, uh, you know, it's tough for me as well. I think I will side with you, but again, just very slightly, and more so because of how good Oliveira looked against Ferguson, man. It's just like, this guy deserves these top-level guys. He deserves these title fights, and... uh you know, I'd love to see Chandler make his debut against a guy like Justin, but to me, similar to you, you know, Chandler Hooker, Chandler RDA, Chandler Felder is a little more comforting in welcoming him to the UFC and then, say he were to win, gets launched right into this killer's row of this top five in the lightweight division. So, Right. Okay, so now we're on to our last fights here that we have for this or that. And I'm going out with a bang here, Don. I'm, I'm not and prepared, I don't think. I'm not sure how easy this is going to be for you. I'm not even sure where your head is at with these two <laughs> fights. But we do have a common fighter in here. Okay. But we have two different weight classes. So, it's everybody's favorite fighter of all time. The lovely John Bones Jones is in both of these. So first up, I got John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Oh. Or John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. <laughs> you know, it was, you said it and I had it in my head, so I'm just going to go with it. Jones and Izzy, man. Um. It has to be. It has to be that fight, but it has to be this coming year. That's, I think, where the problem is. Mm-hmm. Because of all the hype, these two just can't stand each other. The Twitter beef was just outrageous for, it seemed like, weeks. Um, there's just so much to capitalize on here if you're the UFC. I just think you'd be silly not to try and make this fight, especially now that we're more than likely seeing Izzy go up and fight for that light heavyweight belt. If he were to beat Jan Blachowicz and become light heavyweight champ, you gotta call up John Jones and say, "Hey, hold on on the you know buffing up, 240, 245 pounds. Chill on the creatine, the protein powder. Let's get you back down to 205 one last time. You never lost your belt. So what way to prove you're the goat than to go back and win it for shits and giggles against a guy you can't stand? Um, that fight just has to happen. Israel Adesanya undefeated." John Jones essentially undefeated. The one loss on his record is by disqualification, which is questionable even to this day. Now, hold on. Can I can I insert myself in here real quick? Of course, quick? of course. I just want to give some uh, a little callback here to a quote you have said on this podcast when it came to Jones versus Stipe. You said that that fight could literally be who's the GOAT. Right. That's why, like, Damn. This guy, Izzy, just has to come and ruin all the plans. Um, it's crazy, man, because really, both of these fights, to a certain extent, I don't think Izzy's quite on the GOAT status yet, but he's surely approaching it. 
if he stays undefeated like he is right now, if he gets the second belt, it, it, it's like, you know, if Izzy comes up and wins this light heavyweight belt, he's a two-weight world champion, is this fight more so for the GOAT than if it was Jones versus Stipe? I know Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time, the two-time champ, most title defenses, but he never got two belts. Now, I know he's not small enough to make light heavyweight, so it's not all his fault, but it's just there's so many intangibles. You can't go wrong with either one of these fights. Both fights, huge implications. One, I think, does a lot better on the pay-per-view side of things, um, and that would be Jones-Izzy. The trash talk, the hatred, the styles. I just I don't know how this fight would go. Both these guys are so great standing, but John is such a good wrestler. We don't see him utilize it too much, but when he does, he's just so incredible. Izzy, I don't even know if the guy's been taken down, and if he has, he gets right back up. His takedown defense is next level. His striking is just world-class, unbelievable. I truly just don't know where that fight goes. And, you know, on the other end, Jones and Stipe, John Jones goes up, wins the heavyweight belt. He's truly the GOAT. It's not even up for debate anymore. If Stipe can stop Jones and look good doing it, to add on to that, it's like, yeah, Stipe's definitely the greatest heavyweight of all time, but... Maybe we're talking greatest of all time at this point. I mean, no one has been able to say that they've beaten John Jones outside of um, Matt Hamill, which, again, he was getting destroyed that entire fight. So, you know. Matt is Hamill is truly the go. Yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> um, so, Matt Hamill, Stephe Miocic, mark me down 2021. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> both these fights are incredible, man. This was, This is tough. And they're both so great for so many different reasons. I think him, like, Stipe and John would be such a, it would have such a, like, Stipe DC vibe where there there's so much tension and they just want to beat each other so bad, but there's still so much mutual respect, so there's something beautiful about that. But then you've got Jones versus Izzy. The shit talking leading up to that fight would be unfathomable. I couldn't even imagine. Like, you thought DC and John Jones was bad? This might be up there, if not worse. And just the styles there is what's so intriguing to me. Can Izzy knock out John Jones? Like, can John Jones knock out Izzy? Is John Jones going to submit Izzy? Izzy just got his purple belt. Is he going to submit John Jones? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and if I, I have to go with that one gut feeling right now. You could ask me it tomorrow, and my opinion could change. But right now, when you said it, that's the option that went into my head. So I had to let that out here on the podcast. But uh, you truly just went big there for your last, <laughs> for your last one. Yeah, I I'll uh, throw my two cents in here before we get to yours. Basically, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with uh, Jones Izzy. Um, I think that's a huge fight for legacy, or. You know, if John Jones goes up and beats Stipe Miocic, Stipe is still the greatest heavyweight of all time, in my opinion. You know, I know Jones would have beat him, but... And while I, I think that... Could you imagine, Dom, you know, Stipe is my favorite fighter of all time. He, I don't know if he's yours or not, but he's right around that top. For sure, yes. Could you imagine... Our, remember how we felt when Stipe beat DC in that rematch? Oh, just like we like we were on top of the world. 
So could you imagine if Stipe beat John Jones? Yeah. No, I can't actually. We would need nine one one on standby. I truthfully don't think it'll happen. <laughs> I yeah, and, we've had this discussion. That's true. And that is why <laughs> that's the biggest reason why I'm picking Jones Izzy. No, not really. But. Well, okay, so I will ask okay. does does Jones Izzy throw up more question marks and intangibles and like who will win more than Stipe Jones? Is that what you're getting at? I think there's more at stake and that's going back to kind of my whole thing. I've been saying repeatedly on this episode is that I think when you have two guys, Jones, who's really, you know, sure. He is still one of the best of all time, no matter what way you cut it. But yeah, he still like has something to prove due to all of these PD issues in his career and, you know, even his last the couple last fights, fights yeah. we thought he lost. Um, so there's still much left. You know, there's still a lot he needs, you know, still has to do if he wants to be the clear-cut GOAT. And for Israel Adesanya, who has no blemishes, he doesn't have PED issues, at least not that we know of, you know, the saggy tit <laughs> notwithstanding. Um, but he, it, it hasn't been proven anyways, and I'm not going to accuse him of such. But he has such an unblemished, he's undefeated. He's truly looked unstoppable. He's looked incredible. But he hasn't reached, you know, the GOAT level status yet because, you know, yeah, his his biggest win was Robert Whitaker and then Paulo Costa. You know, the Yoel Romero fight was just a wet, sack of dog shit you you once called it a shit sandwich it was it's a shit sandwich and so take that fight out of there you got paulo costa robert whitaker after that you know and don't get me wrong those are super impressive performances but he still has a lot of work to do to get to that goat level status now if he goes up and beats jan blahovich for the belt that does something does quite a bit, but I don't think I'm talking goat level yet. But if he beats John Jones, especially if we're talking within the next year, yeah, I mean he would still have so much time left on his career. Yeah. <laughs> that's what is even crazier. So I think uh, that's why I picked that because if Izzy loses to John, then can he, he can he ever legacy wise ever reach that height again? I don't know. And if Jones loses to Izzy, I mean, for us, that'll be something we'll have to talk about or talk through if that time comes. If he loses to Izzy, are we going to say, well, that's three in a row we thought he lost? Right. Does that does that affect where we place him? You know, do we start, I mean, really at that point, you're starting to look at like an Anderson Silva in the late career he had level of losing streak. It's a good question. It's a good question. So it's uh, there's just a lot at stake. I feel there, and that's that's why I, when you're talking legacy, I think Jones and Stipe is an amazing fight, and the idea of Stipe beating Jones, I think it, I think there's a lot, there's there's a lot that could, you know, Stipe wins. There's a lot he could gain. But I don't think him losing to John Jones affects him. Yeah, I mean. I think Stipe would still be the greatest heavyweight ever. If Jones beats Stipe, that's his first fight at heavyweight. 
he's not the heavyweight go. Right. And Stipe is at the tail end of his career, you would assume. Right. So, well, who knows? He may only have one or two fights left at him before he wants to hang him up. Yeah, that's a great point. I think his legacy is pretty much written for Stipe. As, unless yeah, I mean, anything beat. more for Stipe truly would be icing on the cake. Unless, of course, he were to beat John Jones. That's like that I big who For him. Stipe, I think he can only move forward legacy-wise. I don't think he can move backward at this point. Right, right. While Izzy and John Jones can go any direction. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But I'll... uh let you take over now yeah i mean you definitely went big on your last one mine's you know kind of back down to earth you know my big home run hit was the lightweight fight this was your home run hit so uh, i'm gonna pull it back i hate to go from that to this but i still think i just do have two fun fights here we're gonna be in the middleweight division Mm -hmm. Uh, first being mr bobby knuckles bobby knuckles 2.0 may i add versus paulo costa for what, what could potentially be a vacant title at this point, I don't really know what's going on with the middleweight division, or an interim mm. title at least. Or, Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori, Noah. <laughs> Again, you know, you hit it out of the ballpark on the last one, but a couple fun ones here just to kind of think about in terms of the future of the middleweight division and what we see next year. Well, these are fun because we haven't really had a chance to talk too much about either of these matchups, and they're both looking like they could happen. Right. So I think Till Vittori is very fun. Um, I, th- I love that Marvin Vittori is finally in that upper echelon. We can start. We can start kind of matchmaking him in, this, in these discussions. And, and just getting that respect he deserves. Yeah, and Darren Till is such a puzzle of a striker that I think uh, – it tests Vittori even more so. You know, Vittori is a bit of an emotional fighter. Uh, he's, he, he, he definitely fights with that emotion, but that can sometimes be a positive and a negative. So I think uh, Darren Till, who no matter how much shit he talked before a fight, how crazy he is in his personal life or on Twitter, he's very calm in the octagon, very composed. And I think that that could be very fun because it could show a lot about Vittori. Can he can he do what Robert Whitaker did against Darren Till? Robert Whitaker could be an he's he's kind of the opposite. Robert Whitaker is a very calm, collected outside the cage fighter, but in the octagon, he's very emotional fighter. He's very like there's I don't know how to describe it. Like he doesn't show a lot of emotion on his face, but he he'll go to war. You know he his style leads to where you have to have a certain level of aggression and anger built up to even fight the way he was fighting against Yuel Romero and stuff like that. But we saw Whitaker able to be the calm, the level-headed, the patient striker against Darren Till. So can Vittori do that? Can he work his game to where it can he can compete with Darren Till. It's a very intriguing fight, but Whitaker Costa is going to be my pick here. I okay. mean, these are... I, I'm talking... Look, I know Costa's stock is at an all-time low right now. I get it. He didn't look great against Izzy, but come on, man. <laughs> Neither did... And I know Whitaker has fought since then to boost his stock back up, but I mean... 
outside of Whitaker, or excuse me, outside of uh, Izzy, these are the two best middleweights, in my opinion, right now. And I think that that matchup would be fucking fireworks because I don't think that fight goes to a decision. I really don't. I think that, again, you have this new Robert Whitaker who's very patient. He's very collected. He doesn't quite rush in for the finish. If he hurts somebody, he will take his time. And for Costa, he is still the bull that he was before. But how much is that Izzy loss going to weigh on him? Yeah. Because that is a a disheartening loss if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, does he have a huge chip on his shoulder, or did that really affect him mentally and what could be next for him? Will he do, like, did he get his soul taken? You know, like how we've seen, like, guys like Nganu go through when they lost to, when he lost to Stipe. Um, There's a lot of questions there, but I think on paper that matchup should be awesome. And I wouldn't count Costa out of it just if you go off of where their him and Whitaker stock is right now. I, I think that's definitely an acceptable title fight. I get it. Is he dominating Costa? You might want Costa to win one again before you put him back in another title fight. But he lost to the champion who's been so dominant. Kind of like what I said with Justin Gaethje. If Izzy moves up in weight, then I mean... Costa and Whitaker are the two guys that both got dominated by him. So why not let them be the, decide who the next middleweight champion is, you know? Right. Uh, it makes sense. I think it's an awesome fight. I, I think not enough people are talking about that matchup in a positive light because <laughs> I think that fight would be I, – I would even go as far as to say I think it could be a fight of the year contender if it goes long enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be incredible to see – um, especially like you said, the new version of Robert Whitaker just seems to be so much more calm and composed, but can still just strike at any given moment. The power is still there for Costa up until Israel Adesanya. No blemishes on that perfect record that he once had, and really the only fight that was close was him and Yoel, and that was just an all-out war. On the other hand, you know Till Vittori is very fun um, for differing reasons. Till, of course, has that striking advantage. Um, I think far and away, actually, in that fight. However, the X factor here, I think, would be Vittori's grappling and submissions. Um, and, and I think that could really play a factor. I'm not saying Vittori's bad on the feet, but Till striking is just so crisp and so technical. Um, it, it's a very interesting fight, both of these. And I think both, really, we could see up next. You know, we really could see both of these fights in 2021 potentially around the same time frame and play out to where the winners fight the winners, essentially, you know? I mean, if Izzy were to stay at light heavyweight once he goes up, Whitaker Costa for the, you know, vacant title or an interim belt, then you got Vittori Till. If Vittori were to come in and dominate Darren Till or win after what he did against Hermanson, dude, that's title shot for Vittori next. And for Till, we've been wanting to see Darren Till fight for a title again. He's, he went up in a weight class where he should be. This dude is massive. Um, you know, had the, the shaky start with Gastelum, but got what he did what he had to do to get the win. Then has that great fight with Robert Whitaker, very close. Had his moments, even dropped Robert Whitaker in the fight. Um, so Till is always going to be there because of how high level his striking is. Uh, has shown relatively good 
takedown defense uh, outside of when, you know, he gets hurt in a fight, so on and so forth. So both these matchups so good for differing reasons. I am going to side with you. I think Whitaker Costa just is fun, especially if you can get a title around it. That obviously makes any fight more interesting. Uh, we, we have a stand-up war here. And again, I think, as I pointed to earlier, we see Whitaker Costa. We kind of know what's going to happen. It's going to be a stand-up fight, whether how high action or low action it is. The fight would only tell us. For Till Vittori, we know what Till would want to do, but for Vittori, would he try and stand? Would he try and get the fight to the ground? If he gets the fight to the ground, can Till get up? So that one has more question marks and definitely is very close, but I, I will side with you, Whitaker Costa. Um, excited for what is next for middleweight in 2021 because of the decisions that Israel Adesanya makes. So Awesome. Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode of This or That. And uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this concept and how we kind of ran things here. If there's anything you think we should improve about it or change about it for the future, that would be great. But yeah, I'm very happy with how this turned out. I thought it went well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that very much. That was <laughs> that was a blast. Got more fun as the, the recording went on. I, I think that was great. Yeah, and before we sign off here, I'm just going to touch on our uh, upcoming episode. So again, we're in the middle of kind of these wednesday episodes where we're doing one a week until we get fights back so um next week will be the first episode of 2021 yes a big moment ringing in the new year yeah it's going to be dedicated completely to the news uh, i think that's safe to say at this point because we have had a shit ton of news come out yeah I, I got it we got to get a google doc created <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to try to make sure we don't miss anything uh and Obviously, there's going to be a lot, hopefully, that comes out between now and next uh, Tuesday or so when we record it. So that's going to be coming to you guys on January 6th. That's next Wednesday. And then the week after that, January 13th, classic pay-per-view review, UFC 1, where it all started. And I'm very excited to do both of those before we get right back in to that Friday uh, January 15th with uh, the breakdown of Holloway Cater. Oh, man. I'm telling you, once we get past January 6th, it, it's just it's a roller coaster after that. So yeah. enjoy this little lull in action, why we've got it to our great listeners, to me and Noah even, because come middle of January, woo, 2021 is going to be a fun one. <laughs> well said. But, uh, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at dsalee14, and you can find the podcast also on Twitter and Instagram at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms you can find our podcast on, along with the social media links. So the Twitter, the Instagram, along with the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. It's all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment, 
or down the line to doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on Wednesday.